The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? You can program a kid to do almost anything, unfortunately. So I think it's our job to train our kids to stand up for what's right, to train our kids to think outside of the, think box. Outside the box and really enter a future and create the kind of future where there is all this kind of diversity and where there are all these options which, which really only create joy and pleasure and really, if it's done properly, don't hurt anybody. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with my amazing partner, Evan Haynes. I know you guys have been looking forward to this episode. We're diving into how we got to this place of being in an open marriage. I know for many who are watching the unfolding online over the last couple of months, it might have seemed like it was a quick spur of the moment decision, but this is actually something that we've been talking about for a while now. I didn't ask me anything on my Instagram stories and you guys came in with the tough questions and Evan and I addressed them all. Everything from what our sex life is like today to how we decided to have this conversation with our kids. We are covering it all. And then coming up on next week's episode, we have my friend Angel joining us. She's a relationship, sex, and love coach. That episode is so insightful. I know you guys are going to have major takeaways from that. And then the following week, my girlfriend Chris is coming on the podcast. You guys came in with lots of amazing questions for her and me. And so we will be covering all of those and talking about the unfolding of our relationship and what it's been like for her to join our family. So with that, here is this week's episode. I hope you guys love it. If you do, please do me a favor and make sure that you're following this podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Share this with your friends. It really means the world to me. So here's this week's episode. Are you ready? Ready as I'm ever going to be. Okay. Oh my God. All right, you know that saying that everybody hears what they want to hear? I do. I feel like that's really been our experience since coming out as ethically non-monogamous is that everyone is twisting what I'm saying or what you're saying. This is in our family and our personal lives and also on social media. And it all just goes back to programming, like the programming that we've received since, you know, we could walk and talk. And that's so interesting because how this all came about was us having really interesting discussions around programming, about living in a patriarchal society, about questioning societal norms. And that's how our relationship ended up in this point. So it's kind of cool, that connection there. 
I think a lot of people, obviously on Instagram, people have tons of questions. So I'm looking forward to like diving into this with you. Let's dive in. Okay. So Evan's always known that I've been bisexual my whole life. I think a lot of questions that people have for me regarding my sexuality is, you know, why, why now? Why are you like coming out now? And the truth is like, I've always been out. I was having, well, I will say this. My first consensual sexual experiences were with women, not men or girls actually at the time, because I was actually quite young when I started to explore with girls. And I always knew that I loved being with women. And then I found Evan, my amazing partner. And we got married when I was 20. And we've spent the last nine years of our marriage in a completely monogamous relationship. We both have such a love for learning and having really like deep and philosophical conversations. And I think around two years ago, that's the time where we started to discuss what love actually was and what relationship meant and um, how neither of us feel possessive over one another and how much love we feel like we have to give to the world. And we started talking about sexuality and going back to living in the patriarchy and like why things are the way that they are. That was right around the time that we started having those discussions. I remember. And wondering if, you know, we were uh, secure enough to be able to do something like that you know, with ourselves, like whether, you know, whether we could handle it. And to be fair, I think, or accurate, it was you who weren't as sure about it, whether whether you could do that. This would have never worked had we not had the nine years of a foundation that we we did. Like if we went into this and I was like, I'm bisexual, I want to continue to see women, Let's try to have a relationship. I don't know if this would have necessarily worked out. When we started talking about opening up our marriage and exploring the possibility of becoming ethically non-monogamous, it does. It illuminates all of the fears, anything that, (laughs) you know, these hard conversations always do. Questions of like worthiness, of security, of, you know, am I valuable enough would he leave me? What all of those things came up. And what I love about our marriage is that, well, yes, of course, we reassure each other. We also know that it's our own job to do the work. And so as, you know, my journey in healing from my sexual trauma, that last part of of healing from my sexual trauma was reclaiming my sexuality. And so, you know, having these deep kind of soul excavations where I'm <laughs> thinking about my sexuality and who I am and what I want out of life. And, and say 20 years down the road, I didn't do this. And I looked back at my life and what if I like regretted it? What if I regretted doing it all because I was so scared? I was letting fear really run my life. And what I know of, of healing and of recovery is that like, if I'm operating out of fear, I'm not just doing a disservice to myself. I'm doing a disservice to everyone around me. What was that Carl Jung quote that I sent you that the unlived lives of parents 
cause the greatest amount of kind of psychic pain to not only their own children, but, you know, it, it ripples out into the, into the universe. I agree. And I want, you know, for you to dive in and talk too about your thoughts on, on monogamous relationships and about, you know, h- how you felt when we were having these conversations. Well, I mean, my thoughts are probably like m- most people's thoughts. I don't know how someone could be married 30, 40 50 years and not think about ever, you know, never having sex with another person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I just say, um, look at the divorce rates. Uh, I mean, they're astronomical and I think it's for a good reason now, which is not to say that like I wasn't willing to do it to same to to commit very happy with you yeah. we could have gone a lifetime together with no one yeah the uh, we could and you know for for us i think and 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 maybe the only reason for that kind of mating for life that kind of mon- monogamy is for children mm. is so that a child can live in a in a whole home with both parents. And so that was always very important for us. And I guess in a way, what I thought about it was, wow, imagine if we could kind of have it all. Yeah. And and it seemed like a really kind of creative way to do that. And it's all about doing it intentionally. You brought up the kid part, which that was obviously a huge conversation when we were talking about opening up our marriages. How are the kids going to be affected? And I think it's so interesting that our family, that was their first thought that like by me coming out as gay and talking about having relationships with women that I was damaging my children which we both feel like the opposite. We feel like that's not the case at all. That's right. It was funny. We had just finished watching uh, Jojo Rabbit, which if anyone's not seen that, they should, when we got one text message from a concerned family member. And the movie basically centers around this eight-year-old who's in the Hitler Youth, who um, he's got an imaginary friend who's, who's Adolf Hitler, and he's... All he wants to do is be a good Nazi. And his mom, it it turns out, is part of the resistance. So is his dad. He's somewhere else. But his mom is actually hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic. And he discovers her. And he's going to turn her in. He's going to, you know, do the right thing. He's going to, you know, these are the rules. You can't do that. And so this little kid was kind of at the... Uh, vanguard of the forefront of the Nazi movement, the Nazi party. This is the next generation. This is the future. And, um, you know, it turns out he's a big softy and he couldn't have hurt a fly. And of course, he eventually comes around. But the point was that if we're worried about what little kids think about whether their mom should be dating a woman or not, we're kind of like taking our marching orders from, well, what little kind of crypto fascist 
<laughs> kids who really could be programmed. I mean, they're programmed in the Westboro Baptist Church. I mean, you can program a kid to do almost anything, unfortunately. So I think it's our job to train our kids to stand up for what's right, to train our kids to um, think outside of the think box. outside the box and really enter a future and create the kind of future where there is all this kind of diversity and where there are all these options, which which really only create joy and pleasure. And really, if it's done properly, don't hurt anybody. Yeah. We're just not used to it and we can become afraid of it. And then, of course, when we're afraid, we want to control. Yes. And that's really like, I mean, marriage came out of this need for control in so many ways. And we're going to talk about kids and and how we're planning on having these tough discussions with our kids in just a few minutes because so many questions about that in my DMs. But um, I also just want to say that I think it's so interesting how I expected outcries from our conservative family members and friends. (laughs) Of course I did. But this is something that you and I were talking about earlier after our little day date that we just had, it's not just our conservative family and friends. It's our family and friends who we thought were so liberal and understanding that it becomes so apparent how brainwashed is maybe not the right word, but just how programmed we are to believe. Like even though divorce rates are so high, even though so many people... Uh, cheat, even though so many people are in unhappy marriages for the rest of their lives, just how much like we still believe that this is the only way. It's like that little cartoon with the dog sitting at the table and there's fire all around and he says, no, this is fine. This is fine. He's drinking a little cup of coffee or something. Yeah. It's not fine, you know, and uh, this is really nothing. And the way I kind of look at it, anyone who's moralizing or too worried about this kind of thing while the world's on fire, while kids (laughs) go to bed hungry, while wars are are ripping us apart and species are going extinct. And we're worried about this, again, something that brings people joy and pleasure. And if it's done ethically and consciously hurts nobody. I think it just goes to show the kind of moral and intellectual rot that has really probably done more harm at least if we don't take the opportunity to expand our consciousness and start perhaps worrying about the things that matter. It goes back to what you were talking about at breakfast where you were saying that, you know, the Christians are so focused, they don't care about what what they're ruining down here on earth because they're going to go to heaven. And everyone just wants to be somewhere else rather than just to experience the full human experience. They'd rather check out or just feel like one day this is all going to be over. So it doesn't really matter. And it's sad that we live like that when we really have this one life. Well, we believe we have multiple lives. I know that. But (laughs) when we're experiencing this life right now, why can't we enjoy it to the fullest extent as long as we're not harming other people? Yeah, we're, we're, we're learning to come into alignment with life and what life wants and life Life seems to have no other purpose but to enjoy. You know, you look at just the exuberance of plant life growing up through cracks and sidewalks. I mean, it just wants to live. It wants to keep generating and regenerating itself. And for no purpose, there's no, there's no purpose to it. But the purpose certainly isn't to go 
counter to life and to destroy life and to repress life and to bring kind of pain or discomfort to others. So, yeah, but people aren't comfortable with life. People want to leave life. And whether it's, you know, certain, maybe certain Christian people, but people of all kinds of religious uh, persuasions who want to leave the earth and go to heaven or billionaires who want to go to the moon or to Mars or drug addicts uh, who want to check out, you know, none of whom I can blame personally, because I get it that this is an ancient instinct to kind of believe that that the body, that the that the earth is this prison, you know, they, they call it soma sema, the body is a prison, the, the world is a veil of tears, that it's corrupted, that it's poisoned, polluted, it's beyond redemption. And, you know, our only hope, you know, whether it's an Eastern tradition, spiritual people, everyone wants to transcend it. There's very few people who just want to be here. Who are okay. Yeah. yeah. Who are okay just experiencing this this life. Because those feelings, they go into the body. I mean, they're directed at women, the body, the earth. All of these things have been put on kind of one side of this imaginary Mm -hmm. ledger where we've separated these two things, spirit and matter, mind, body, you know, man, woman, heaven, earth, and, you know, where, where they're always separate and one is always better than the other. And I think we're entering a period where it's time to integrate these two things and to be fully embodied and to make ourselves at home. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to be here for a while, whether we like it or not. And that's, of course, the irony. If you, and if you do believe in reincarnation, that no matter how badly we want to escape, this is too much. Um, I don't like it here. Well, guess what? You're going to be back. <laughs> so <laughs> joke's on you. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? With Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easy and start living your life. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month, it can feel like a never-ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. And Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score within minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com reality. That's upstart.com reality. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit score, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com forward slash reality. Hi, I'm Allie Webb, the founder of Drybar. Hey, I'm Adrian Kaler, the founder of Take New Ground. Previously on Raising the Bar, Michael and I learned how founders moved from idea to scale. In this new season, we'll be exploring the inner world of an entrepreneur, the juicy stuff. Suing a vision brings up fear and personal challenges, the stuff that nobody likes to talk about. So we dive into what it takes to overcome the obstacles that make most people quit. This is a study on perseverance. 
Adrian is a coach for select executives. I love his brilliant mind and deep love for people, including me. So if you're starting a business and already want out, tune in. You might not be as alone as you think. Okay, so let's dive into some of the questions because I know people had lots of them. I guess the first thing is, are you okay? Everyone's really concerned about Evan as if I'm like this she devil that like forced you into this situation so you could keep me, which that couldn't be further from. I am totally okay. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) He's fine. I'm fine. Um... I think. Are you? I'm completely fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more than fine. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Okay, good. I just am. I appreciate everyone's concern though. It's true. The one of the overarching. I don't appreciate people's concern. I don't appreciate it because everyone thinks I'm awful. No, they're so worried about me (laughs) and they want to make sure I'm having fun. And I appreciate that so much. I've had people DM me and call me names, but also people who've uh, DM me saying that they're praying for me and my family, which I thought was so nice. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. That that was so thoughtful. Who just messages random people (laughs) to pray for their family. I'm actually happier than I've ever been. Me too. Oh my God. I know. It's so great. And so just like honored to be with a partner who is so kind and understanding and to be with someone who is as evolved as you are when it comes to, you know, because so eventually the, the conversation was like, okay, so let's open up our marriage just to have intimate relations with other people, no relationships. And I realized really quickly that like that was not going to work for me. But I told you. You did. I said girls and I don't care what their sexual orientation is. It seemed to be generally speaking, not to stereotype, but will tend to get a little more emotionally involved to be connected in a more intimate way. Yes. And I said I, that you probably will run up against that. So I, I had that in yeah. mind, knowing that was a possibility. And I remember when I started to develop feelings for the person that I was seeing and I told you about that. And we were like, how, how do we navigate this? Because I am so committed to our marriage. Like we're going to, Evan and I will be together until one of us dies. Like we're not going anywhere. We're so, we're the best partners. We're great lovers. We're great parents. We're, we're just a team. We're the dream team. I feel like, (laughs) but I remember what you said, which was so profound. You're like, well, when you have one kid, you love them with all of your heart. And then when you have another kid, it's not like you're worried about where are you going to find enough love for this second kid? You just do. And I believe that we are people who can love multiple people easily. Okay. So the first question is, do you want a girlfriend? I don't really want a girlfriend. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Girlfriends are a lot of work. Which is fine, but I have my plate's kind of full yeah. right now. So I'm not really like looking for a girlfriend. Yeah. Everyone always asks me, like, your plate seems so full, Alexis. How are you making time for this? And I will say that, like, 
I just feel so finally like fully myself that I just make it work, you know, and I I find a balance. So obviously the person that I'm dating doesn't get nearly the amount of time that Evan and the kids do with me. But the time that we do have together, it's quality time and we just make it work. And I'm just so grateful that you're willing to like share me, but also I'm sure you're just wanting a break. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Alexis is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it takes a village. Um, <laughs> so I do appreciate the support. Eventually when we have this conversation with the kids, what is it going to look like? I think they are so up to speed and understand, you know, the whole spectrum of uh, sexual orientations as far as kids would be able to understand something like that, but they know that there's this huge variety. I mean, I think, I think kids, uh, this generation, kids a little bit older, I, I have very high hopes for the future. I think, um, there's a lot more open-mindedness and, and then there's something about bringing this into the light. I mean, like you pointed out earlier, it's kind of like it's happening anyway. Yeah. So at least when you make it official and bring it into the light, there's not the sort of shame and secrecy and betrayal and things like that that go on when it's kind of kept underground or suppressed. We're bringing it up into the light. So I think it's a natural conversation as it unfolds. And like I was saying earlier, you know, worrying about the kids at school and what they're going to say. I mean, I would I would much rather our kids maybe, you know, had to have an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> about this than be close-minded in their life later because I think whether or not yeah. those those people know it or not, they're, they're not only causing others uh, immense pain and suffering with their closed-mindedness, I think that they're causing themselves immense pain and suffering with their closed-mindedness. I think when we join all of these people who've been persecuted, locked up, locked out, uh, you know, in many cases tortured, devalued, debased, that this is our job in the world. Like yeah. there's no reason to be alive. There's nothing to figure out but to figure out how to join the world, how yeah. to be here. I mean, that's what we mean when we say, you know, we want to be here with the world. We're not just talking about rocks and trees, although we're talking <laughs> about rocks and trees, yes. but we're talking about all, all the people, it, the, the whole thing, yes. the spectrum, the whole yeah. thing. I mean, we know the statistics with trans and gay kids and how frequently they attempt or commit suicide. And I've always had the intention, and I know you have too, of raising kids who are not just allies, but advocates who are actively a part of their community and who stand up for injustice. And does that mean that I'm going to be able to shelter them from every hard conversation or for every bully at school or whatever it might be? No, that's not the case. However, there is nothing wrong with the way that we are living. And I just thought of it like this. If I was sitting down with Harper, she's 18 years old. And I, I saw myself sitting down with her and she had been through maybe some hardships over this, right? A little bit of a struggle. But I feel like my daughter would look at me and say, mom, I'm so glad that you showed me how to live authentically. I'm Ooh, getting emotional just talking about it. I'm so glad that you taught me not to deny my sexuality and how 
you know, how okay it is to have these different feelings and how to be a good ally and how to stand up for what's right. I'm so grateful. Like I envisioned that conversation. And then I thought about the alternative, right? Which is I just, I had some kid that, you know, didn't see their mom do that and what the alternative was. And that alternative kind of killed me. And I was just like, I'm not willing to to live in the shadows because I'm afraid of what people might think. I'm trying to teach my children the exact opposite of that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who it's interesting. Like, so you look at all of the kind of crimes against humanity that have incurred because of things like homophobia, say for example, and other kind of uh, moralistic doctrines and, and, and whatnot. And, they play out in the world, but what I don't think we appreciate is how they play out internally and because probably the, the distinction we make between what's internal and what's external might not exist to the extent that we uh, think it does, but that, that these things are being worked out in the world and at the same time they're being worked out within us, that we embody all those conflicts and suppression and things in the world. So by being that advocate, activist, the person who stands up for our world, we become free, you know, and we we become part of this, this process of really, like, I guess, a liberation of of life itself from and of our of ourselves uh, literally of, of ourselves, ourselves. <laughs> right of our own lives yes, and of, and of, of others yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and then the last question regarding the kids was are you ever going to introduce your children to your partner and so my intention like I don't I want to be in a relationship with a woman. I mean, ideally, like I would be in a long-term relationship and have a partner that shared time with me that was also in a non-monogamous relationship with someone else. And I don't know. I feel like, yeah, like I would want that person to be a part of our lives. It would just have to be done in a really intentional way. And it's not something that I think either of us are rushing to do by any means. Yeah. I think it's, it actually could be really easy. I mean, again, you know, if you can indoctrinate kids into these kind of horrors and, you know, sort of criminal organizations, you can also kind of enculturate them into these different models. Uh, Quincy Jones, I think has Christmas dinner every year with like his 10, uh, ex-wives. Yes, it's true. Yeah. He does. All these blonde women, they all look <laughs> very similar. And, you know, you know, they have tons of kids and mm-hmm. who grew up like that and yeah. we're probably happier for it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's it for the kids. Has our sex life been negatively affected by us opening our marriage? Oh, contraire. So. <laughs> oh, contraire. <laughs> I love you. We don't want to maybe get too much into this. We want to try to keep this PG, but I'll say it was funny. At first I thought, well, my, you know, workload might get a little lighter, but it turned out that it's actually <laughs> kind of workload. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It, 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 it's been the opposite. It's turned out it's been the opposite. Let's just put it that way for uh, both of us. Yeah. It's, bo- it's kind of like 
woken something we up. We found in us. how much we love each other. We did yeah. as well. Yes. The other part of that is like, okay, so since I'm having multiple partners, I'm someone who always wants to be really respectful to both of my partners and to my girlfriend. So I'm always very like, I make sure that there's spacing between the dates that I have with you and with her. So, cause everyone asks me that too. Like, are you just, you know, going back and forth? No, that's not the way that it is. And then everyone wanted to know, why don't you just have threesomes? Certainly not opposed to it. <laughs> um, for me, like I said, like I really am wanting to find like a partner, but we've tried that and it was a fun experience and we're not opposed to it. May repeat. <laughs> All right. If Evan in the future decided, no, well, we'll start with this. Do you want a boyfriend? Everyone wants to know if, if you want a boyfriend. No. No. He's not even, he's so in touch with your sexuality, but you are not even remotely bisexual. I don't think, I don't think I am. Yeah. I'm not really attracted to to men. Yeah. You're really in touch with your feminine side, but you're not attracted to men. That's right. If down the road you wanted to have a girlfriend, could you? I mean, yeah, if you wanted. That only seems fair. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'll have to admit that's one of the reasons why, and for everyone who's concerned about me, um, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I, why I've agreed and why I've even been, you could almost say I, I initiated the conversation in some ways, but um, certainly have gone along with it thus far is because uh, at least to have the option, it's, it's certainly something that's of interest to me um, yeah. at, at some point. So it's nice to know that I'm absolutely free to do that. And to be clear, like this wasn't a conversation where it was like, I'm going to cheat or you're going to cheat. Like we never thought about cheating on each other. Evan and I got married really quickly when I was 20 years old. And I remember saying to him, I will work through anything with you. Like you could relapse. There could be like, it could get messy. I will work through anything with you. But if you cheat on me and have sex with another woman, that is it. And now I'm like, oh, did you go and have sex with another woman? That sounds hot to me, <laughs> which is just so crazy how that like changed and how much like we've both evolved. But this wasn't a conversation of like, I'm having a desire to, you know, cheat or anything like that. It was just like, why does this have to be this way? It doesn't. That's right. Love that for us. Are you jealous? No, no. The follow-up question might be, well, what if it was a guy? I think it might be a little different. You know, we have drives. I think the the original drive was kind of like a dopaminergic drive to food or to find a mate or to, you know, fend off, you know, hostile attacks and things like that. And, you know, as a, as a single-celled organism, we had that drive. And then uh, slowly but surely throughout our evolution, we, we picked up other drives, you know, sort of competition or you know, sometimes like a tendency to violence. These are all these kind of like animal drives that are just part of what we are. Jealousy is is a drive, but it's kind of like, it doesn't seem, it certainly I don't think it was an original drive. Like I don't see like certainly not single cell organisms as being jealous, maybe animals jealous. Like our drives usually come down to, you know, feeling like we want something and, 
on the flip side, being concerned that someone's going to take it from us, Mm -hmm. you know, and I suppose that fear that someone's going to take it from us is where jealousy might come from. But if we believe that we have everything we need, that we're taken care of, these drives, I, I think, are so usually misguided that they have a place that there probably are things we should be afraid of, that there probably, you know, is a place for competition to to improve uh, on things that we do and that there's um, there's a role for these drives. I'm not sure there's there's a great um, any kind of good justification for jealousy with someone, certainly not with someone who's secure with what they have. And I think in the case of love... Uh, if you, quote unquote, have something, which is kind of weird, it's built into the language that we almost like possess each other. There's such a possessiveness to, I think, our idea of which love. Which is the and, opposite of what love is. Which is the is. opposite of what love is. Yes. So if I you know, have someone or possess them and they want to leave, unless I'm like some kind of kidnapper or something, <laughs> I'm going to let them go. And I think... I think doubly so, I'm especially going to let them go if I love them. Why would I want anyone I love, especially, but anyone in general, to do something that they didn't want to do? Or if there was something that would bring them joy, additional joy and pleasure, why wouldn't I want them to do that? Yeah. So for me, there's, there isn't really like a place for jealousy. If Evan wanted a girlfriend... I don't think I know. I, I will say that there there are a couple of things that Evan knows about in our marriage that that like I've just come to terms with the fact that like he has a hard time filling those love languages or those needs, right? Like as far as romance and stuff goes, like he's just he was that way in the beginning to like get me, but he's just not that way anymore. And it's Sorry, okay. <laughs> I've come to terms with that. And like what's so nice about these other relationships is that they are. We're looking at I'm looking at a beautiful bouquet of flowers that my girlfriend got me that are on my kitchen counter right now. And that's just not who Evan is. And so I think the only time that I could see myself getting like jealous would be like, if you were doing those things that you are not able to like meet in our marriage with someone else. (laughs) I will never do those things for anyone else. It's just, you know, you're so, you're such, you know, it's so interesting because when we were in therapy with Pat Allen all of those years ago and we were working out the kinks in our marriage, she was like, is he 80% good? And I said, he's 80% fucking amazing. There's just these few little things, you know what I mean? That like, I just, and we've talked about this in depth about these parts of our marriage and, and we've kind of come to terms with what is. And so I think that's the only way that, that I could see that. And when Evan ever talks about being with another woman or is whatever it might be, I actually get like really excited for you, which is so nice. I guess the next question really works for that is like, are you, (laughs) and like, this is so hard to answer because like, I don't, and we've talked about this, like my relationship with my new partner is not like a kink for you, but I'm sure it probably makes you excited. I love that you're happy. I mean, there's no other kind of way to put it. Um, People's imaginations can go wherever they want to go. It makes me happy to know you're happy. It makes me excited to know you're excited. Same. So we're really on the same page when it comes to that. Does he ask you for details when I come home from my dates? And no, you haven't been gross about it. No. No, but Evan's not like a gross guy like that. He's so respectful. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. 
No, I've never asked for details. No, he doesn't want he doesn't want the deets. Could Evan ever force you to break up with your girlfriend? I mean, I suppose we could renegotiate. This is like a sort of consensual yeah. thing, but I don't see any scenario where that would that would take place. Me neither. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, even though when I was talking about that issue of like where I could possibly see myself getting jealous, it's like, that's what's so good is that we're such good communicators that it's just like, hey, I'm feeling this right now. And I'm just wondering like what we can do to work this out. Like, it's such an easy thing to communicate. I don't understand why people, well, I do because people's egos get in the way and then they feel like, you know, they take things too personally when it's like, I'm just expressing that this is a need that I'm having and a feeling that I'm having. And I want to like open dialogue around this. It's that yeah. easy. I mean, there's, there's just, it's all, it always comes down to that fear, like that I'm not going to get what I need or that someone's going to take it from me. I think we've talked a lot about our like guidelines and rules. Do we have any that like, that you feel like we haven't talked about? No, because I think we're both just considerate. I mean, we don't need even too many rules or to dwell on these things too much. I mean, kind of take the magic out of it a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it, it's like it, obvious. It, it, it's it common sense. Con- it is common sense and it is consideration. It's like, I'm going to go spend the weekend at my girlfriend's house. I've got childcare coverage. Or would you mind watching the kids? It's like, let's just have a dialogue and not make assumptions and be respectful of each other's time and needs. And the thing that's so nice is that when I'm with my new partner, when I'm leaving, it's like, I'm excited to come home to Evan. Like I really am. Like I love our marriage and I love my life at home and I love my life with her too. So it's so, it's just like refreshing. And how nice was today? Like I came home yesterday from spending the night at my girlfriend's and last night we had a lovely evening. We went and saw a movie. We slept in this morning, had a little day date, walked the beach, had our, you know, long philosophical conversations (laughs) in the car. And now we're doing this. It's just so, it's so sweet. I don't like this question. How did you get his blessing? Like, God, we're still so stuck in the patriarchy. Like I needed your blessing to to do this. I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't well, know it's why mutual. that. How did I get your blessing? Yeah, we just started having a conversation. You know, how do we maintain our own special connection? I think we'll always have it. We've been through so and much. We've just together. been through so much. It's like we have this bond that is undeniable, and it's just like you're my person. And what's so great about this is I realized that that we can have more than one person, but it's different. Like my connection, like we are soulmates. We're like Oprah and Stedman. (laughs) Yes, we are. I love that. (laughs) And then navigating feelings of of one-sidedness or unfairness. It's just, I think it goes back to the conversation. We had this conversation in the in the hotel room and yeah, there was one little glitch where there was a misunderstanding that we quickly resolved that it has to be fair. It has to work you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander and and vice versa. This probably isn't for everyone necessarily. And I don't know that we would have been ready for it before nine years of marriage. I don't know that there's necessarily like a fixed timeline that would, you know, be the only way that worked for for anyone. But, you know, I hope we're, we're opening up conversations. I hope we're showing 
demonstrating different alternatives. And like I said earlier, there's actual real problems in the world. And one of them is, we were talking about this in the in the car ride home, but there's this real lack of joy and pleasure uh, in our consumer society where, you know, we're, we're feeling so bored, so unfulfilled. And the, the only way we can make ourselves happier is to buy stuff. And, you know, we would need five earths to live like we do here for everyone on, on the planet to live like we do here in America. It's like, hey, there's this thing that like costs very little money and it's really fun. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like a little, you know, uh, piece of latex is also safe. Well, I'm gay, but yeah. You understand. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the side effects might be that you like want to eat a meal later or like watch a movie on TV and, or <laughs> take a nap. Like it seems like we might have, I hate to say it, but just sort of solve the world's problem. So, yeah. Well, I'm so, you know, grateful that you, that you're here to have this conversation and I just want to say that like coming out has not has not been easy. I knew that it wouldn't be, but there's no other partner that I could imagine doing this with. And there's there's no way that I would have wanted to go the next 10 or 15 or 20 years without really living authentically. And this feels so good. I feel so free. I feel so in alignment. I feel at home in my body, which is just honoring, right? our physical form, which is just so lovely. And I hope that some of you listen to this conversation and that you, you know, maybe question like, why, why do I see this as inherently bad or dangerous, whatever it might be. And know that this type of communication and this type of relationship works. Oh, there's one more question that everyone wants to know. And that's, would we ever share a wife or like share a partner? I don't, I don't want that. Yeah, one wife's probably enough. <laughs> one wife's enough for Evan. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we want to like move someone into our house and like share a bed. Like I don't think we're we're into that. I mean, threesome is one thing, but I don't think we're into I know people in do it. It looks it looks cool. I know, you know, the was the that Mormon show. And oh stuff. Jesus. That looks sister like wife? a lot of work. You don't want a sister wife? No. No. No, yeah, I'm, I don't. I don't want to raise someone else's kids either. It's like my kids are enough. <laughs> Take the Brady Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you again, Evan. I love you so much. And I'm so excited to continue in life with you. It's just an honor. And also we're we're talking right now about renewing our vows for our 10-year wedding anniversary coming up in April. And I just... I, you know, I would do it a hundred times over. So I would too. I love you, babe. I love you. This week's affirmation is I am free of worry and regret. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 